Hi, I'm Lucas. And I'm Brian. And this is the Quacks Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Now, I have a really special interview for you today, and his name is Ken Lassison. Now, he created uh, several websites that analyze the microbiome. That's the bacteria colonies that live in your guts. And in recent years, there's been really an incredible amount of focus on the microbiome and how it ties into the quality of your health. Now, you may have seen some study in the news. I know I've seen several uh, talking about how, you know, if you have a lot of this bacteria from this species over here, you tend to be more overweight. Whereas if you have more species of these over here, you're, you're skinnier. Scientists are basically trying to figure out how the microbiome can influence uh, your health and how it can tackle things like diabetes or, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. The problem is the microbiome is really, really extremely complex. There are hundreds, sometimes thousands of different species living in there, and each species has unique characteristics. So it would totally be great if, you know, we could just say, uh, these species are bad, we want to get rid of those, and these species are good, we want more of those. But it's more complicated than that. Because sometimes certain bad species are actually good if they crowd out other bad species. And other times certain good species end up being bad if they overwhelm other good species. And because each species is often making, you know, different compounds, you want the right balance of diversity so, uh, you know, you don't get sick. Now, Ken has decided to take on this complexity by building a website based on an AI engine that looks at thousands of different studies on different bacteria species, what health symptoms are associated with either over or undergrowth of those species, and then looks at different foods, drugs, and supplements that affect those species. And what you can do is you can get a stool sample done with one of the companies that will uh, map the bacteria that are living in your guts. And you can take that data and you can feed it into the AI engine on Ken's website. And the website then tells you what species of bacteria may be causing you problems and the different foods or supplements or drugs that you can take that will influence those bacteria. It's mind-bogglingly complex, and yet Ken has you know put it all together. And amazingly, it's totally free to use after you get your microbiome data. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. Now, Ken, he's used this system to cure himself of chronic fatigue, and he's helped other people tackle chronic illness as well. But I do want to give you just a little heads up on this episode. So first, it's probably a bit on the technical side. Uh, we talk a fair bit about Ken's website and what it can do and who it can help. Uh, we also had a connection that dropped several uh, of Ken's words. So, you know, listening along, you may notice certain words get clipped or uh, there's some fast transitions here and there. I, I did my best to kind of fix these in editing, but, you know, you can only do so much. Now, on top of that, uh, Ken has a bit of an accent that combined with the connection kind of makes things difficult at times to understand. Uh, so for that reason, I would recommend listening to this episode on headphones where uh, it's going to be a lot easier to hear Ken's words than on like a speaker or whatnot. Lastly, I also want to mention the word Herx, which Ken uses several times. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, this is short for Herxheimer reaction, which is basically where uh, you have temporarily increased symptoms associated with the treatment of those same symptoms. So uh, just as an example, when people take antibiotics, sometimes the die-off of the bacteria can make you feel sick at first before you start feeling better for getting rid of those same bacteria. That's that's what Ken means when he says, I herxed on this or I herxed on that. Anyway, hope that makes sense. Enjoy the interview. 
So I have Ken Lassison on the interview today, uh, and I am super happy that he is here with us. He's got some really interesting things to say. And uh, Ken, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. So Ken, why don't we just start off with a little bit of an introduction and uh, maybe a disclaimer and, and what your websites are. Okay. Um, basically, my name is Ken Lassison. I live up in Washington State in the close to the IT ghettos around the Puget Sound. Um, grew up in British Columbia, Canada. Um, so most of my education is actually Canadian education. Academic training is a Master of Science in Statistics and Operations Research. Career-wise, I've worked as a statistician, expert system architect, software developer for many companies, including Verizon, Microsoft, Amazon, Starbucks, and a bunch of smaller startup companies. I am not a medical professional. I do not give personal advice. I would guide you appoint people to publish studies that may answer questions they have. I view my role with the sites I'm developing basically as a data consolidator for a large number of facts, as well as engineering a artificial intelligence expert engine to provide suggestions based on those facts that are encoded into the engine. Um, so that's basically where I'm. Basically, I'm a nerd who got interested in the microbiome for personal reasons, which we'll come to later. There's actually about five websites of mine kicking around, which is some very old, and some are, are not up to date, and some are current and being maintained well. Um, I have a blog called cfsremission.com. It's a WordPress site. Its main focus is on MECFS, but it includes many posts on the microbiome, especially if it's impact MECFS. That site, I've basically attempted to consolidate all of the information, microbiome or non-microbiome, about what works, what doesn't work for MECFS. I have a site which is where my um, AI engine and all my data facts are sitting on, which is called microbiomeprescription.azurewebsite.net. And it's basically sitting there. It is loaded with a ton of facts with references back to the PubMed articles, usually where the fact was obtained from, so that people can trace back to the source. It's not me saying, I think this is how it should be. It's me simply saying, okay, this is what has been reported, and I'm taking everything at face value. The third site is called Microbiome Prescription WordPress. It's basically um, mainly um, technical stuff about the analysis site, um, quick information, strictly um, technical and not MECFS focused. I do have a old site that's still up, which is for my third bout of MECFS, which is back about 10, 15 years ago. And it's simply lassison.com slash CFIDS. And on that, there is even a older site printed out as a PDF about 850 pages for my second bout of MECFS, which was back about the year 2000. So you will find from the sites that I have always been one to write notes and have the notes connected with documentation from the best sources I can find. Um, so that's basically my sites and what I'm doing. So for the listeners who might not know, 
MECFS, that is chronic fatigue syndrome. And what Ken sites do is they really take all of these studies and facts and put them in one place where you can look at your symptoms and look at these studies and really get actionable advice. And so we're definitely going to get into that. But I think before we do, I know you kind of have like a long and really varied story with your health. So maybe we could start with just kind of what you went through. Okay, basically I have had multiple rounds of MECFS. Um, my first round was about 40 years ago. Um, and the that round is interesting because it was in the early 1970s. And the Incline Village, which launched CFS as a diagnosis, didn't happen until 1984. So it's 14 years later before anybody even knew what CFS was. The disease didn't exist in the medical world. However, however there's a couple of things which that plus good fortune with the family physician who was treating me ended up resulting in recovery. I was doing triple honors at university, which means lots of stress. And I was working full time besides. Talk about somebody who's a leper for punishment. And then there was some expected family stress added on top of it. Um, suddenly, I ended up down with a very persistent cough after mild flu, lost cognitive ability, and sort of the CFS um, cascade. My family doctor, who was at that point, I think in his late 60s, happened to also have treated my parents and my grandparents and recognized some of the characteristics of my grandfather, a stress cough. His official diagnosis was antibiotic-resistant walking pneumonia, which resulted in a variety of different antibiotics being tried over time at very high dosages with rotation, etc. Advised me to change diet to use weight, uh, basically ended up on a high-protein diet, no carbohydrates. Effectively, I went gluten-free before anybody had the concept of going gluten-free. And he also advised that stress is a real contributor and to minimize it. So basically, I opted out of my academic path and went for rest and um, made adjustments to reduce stress. And after about four or five years, cognitive abilities returned, and I, w I appeared to have been fully recovered. In hindsight, I was lucky. The treatment was likely ideal, although the prescribed reason for getting that treatment was wrong, the treatment was right. So it was one a fortunate happenstance. Just just real quick to summarize, you you were under a lot of stress. You were doing like multiple honors at college, and you went to this doctor. CFS wasn't even a thing yet. And they basically, you know, by happenstance, gave you this treatment that was really uh, well suited to what you were going through. Is that kind of sum it up? That is correct. The um, many CFS people have a chronic, non-productive cough, which doesn't seem to go away. That was diagnosed without lab tests as being a um, walking pneumonia. Okay. And so he proceeded, and that was the days before when giving antibiotics was not a, a politically incorrect. So um, it was the right time of medical history. So they, they bombarded you with antibiotics. Yeah. Gotcha. So basically recovered 15, 16 years later. I was working at Microsoft as an employee. I had a 90 
commute each day and typical number of hours I booked was 55 to 60 hours. So you can work out, figure out how many hours I'm away from home. Um, no particular problem for the first five years. And then I ended up in a high stress situation, um, driving home one day. Basically, I fell asleep at the stopwatch, stop light, and never went back to work. Um, family physician MD was had just given me a full physical two weeks before I came in, um, went through the complete battery of every conceivable test. After almost six months, the consensus was, I think you probably have chronic fatigue syndrome. I've never seen somebody get chronic fatigue syndrome. Tried helping people who have it. And then she actually gave me an interesting challenge. She said, okay, um, I don't know how to treat you. You seem to be a very smart person. If you can find a reasonable course of treatment to try, I'm all game to assist. So I ended up researching all the literature at the time, which was back in 1999. And there were two things that stuck out according to the published studies, which were new studies at that time, both of which reported 70 to 80% remission rate. So I said, oh, two things where um, you have 70 to 80%, they seem totally unconnected to each other. But I figured that meant that I had about 91% chance doing both of them at the same time of recovering. So being a mathematician, I said, okay, let's start sweet-talking the doctor. The two things was Cecile Zardine, who is a surgeon in South Africa, and her treatment comes not from herself developing it, but from what she's observed in her father, who was working at the Pasteur Institute for Tropical Medicine. They had seen a similar type of occurrence, and they developed a strategy for it. The explanation they gave was a um, occult rickettsia infection. Occult because it basically doesn't show up, but because it looks so much like the type of thing the person had before, they made assumption, a reasonable assumption that the infection just sort of went quiet. Something like chronic Lyme. Somebody has the same Lyme symptoms, but test negative for Lyme. So they call it chronic Lyme, or you could, could call it occult Lyme, or in this case was occult rickettsia. So that was one person. And she was basically reiterating what she had learned from her father and from the people at the Pasteur Institute for Tropical Medicine. The second one was a somebody from where you are in Phoenix, which was David Burke. He was running a specialist coagulation testing thing. Her His main patients were dealing with infertility, um, testing for coagulation problems, which resulted in women having multiple miscarriages. Okay, and what he observed was that many of his the physicians he was working with started to mention that, oh, Sally um, is doing around nicely. Uh, by the way, she you should have chronic fatigue syndrome and has gone in total remission. Eventually, he clued in that the treatment that was happening for the fertility issues could be a significant part of chronic fatigue syndrome. And that particular thing though, consists basically of one minor prescription drug, which is heparin, which is like insulin, is what your body produces naturally. 
But heparin is a complex cascade going through about 13 different phases. And if any of those phases you have a inherited or acquired defect, then it doesn't clear the um, blood thickening. You end up with thick blood, which which isn't always the same, depends on where the coagulation defect is. So so real quick, just to summarize, basically you get chronic fatigue syndrome again, you know, you fall asleep at a light and your doctors kind of are scratching their head after six months and they say, go find some treatments and you find these two treatments, one of which is uh, this antibiotic treatment to deal with like occult effect- infections and the other is uh, a coagulation thing. Is, is that kind of sum it up? That's correct. Two f- treatment, which appears to ha- at that point have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Okay, gotcha. There's no overlap. There's no apparent overlap at that point of time. So basically, did a little bit of almost MD shaming because she was hesitant to prescribe antibiotics. Hmm. And I pointed out to her, well, let's stop for a moment. You would have no problem prescribing doxycycline for a year for a teenage kid with acne. Is that correct? And her answer was yes. Okay, so you have a problem prescribing doxycycline for somebody whose life had been devastated by chronic fatigue syndrome. You, that's, it, that, it, that is not as significant as a teenager with acne. She admitted I had a very valid point. She prescribed it. The um, doxycycline had a significant improvement in the first month on it. And because of that, she was willing to start prescribing the other antibiotics in Dr. Zidane's um, protocol. Some of which were also the same antibiotics to be used by uh, Professor Garth Nicholson, who was looking for the mycoplasma connection to chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay, so you you got these antibiotics, and you also went on the anticoagulants, or you just did the antibiotics? Correct, because she sent she sent the the labs out and came back positive, and we did follow up labs, and a couple of times on the follow up labs, the um, nurses were extremely frustrated; they couldn't get an ounce of blood out of me. So my blood has thickened so much. Wow! And so, how long were you on these until you started feeling like you were recovered? Antibiotics, I think it was on for about almost nine months. The heparin, I was on for almost six months. And then talking to David Bird at a conference, found that my particular coagulation defect could be compensated for without using heparin. So I went over and started using um, paracetam and turmeric, both of which would compensate for my particular defect in terms of DNA. And with that, I stopped using heparin, and both of those are non-prescription, so it makes life real easy not having to um, fight for a prescription. Cool. So you got over CFS, but you had it one more time, correct? One more time, which was almost 10 years later, which was I was on Amazon. Who would think they would be stressed at Amazon? (laughs) I actually have a cousin who works at Amazon, and he's stressed all the time. So Basically, I ended up getting... A flu, even though I had the flu shots, cough, 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 ended up sending me actually to hospital in an ambulance, recovered from that, but the cognitive ability and my blood thickening noticeably fired up. So um, trying to keep working, I kept taking anticoagulants, um, and they were keeping me functioning at a moderate level. Um, 
the problem here was that when I saw, found myself bruising ex- extremely easily, I knew I was doing too much anticoagulant. It's just simply, okay, forget it. You start bruising and you start bleeding too much. You are, have gone overboard. So I stopped that. My internalist who was dealing with me in terms of the conventional medical plan, basically I was trying to explain to her chronic fatigue syndrome and the literature, of course, that is usually a challenge because either they won't listen or they have preconceived ideas. Um, I did persuade her to send me for an MRI. MRI came back fine. I pointed out to her that MRI wasn't the best. Persuaded her to send me for a spec scan, which I think she was doing just to sort of amuse me. Okay, let's just shut him up, let him have a spec scan. Went there, radiologist read the report as early Alzheimer's. That is, Alzheimer's happening before age 65. I had severe memory problems at that time. And when the report came back to the clinical MD, she looked like a deer staring in the head like she didn't know what to do because she suddenly realized everything I was saying was probably true, but she was hopeless for trying to figure out what to do about apart from saying, oh, perhaps you need some methylfolate to help. Um, she was ineffectual, but to her credit, she went to see about trying to get permission to prescribe antibiotics for me, but her department had said absolutely no way. It wasn't standard medical care. So I went over to a naturopath. In Washington State, naturopath has prescribing authority so they can prescribe antibiotics, which is nice, even though naturopath prescribing antibiotics sounds almost like an oxymoron. Yeah, you can uh, you can do that here in Arizona. They have a lot of freedom. They can prescribe you antibiotics as long as it's not a controlled substance. The issue was Kim Iller, and she was working with Marty Wass, who was a MD who specialized in, in Lyme and chronic Lyme. We basically negotiated. She she did the classic chronic Lyme tests, and her rationale, which I understand perfectly, was if she got a positive result then that would give her insurance against people harassing her for prescribing antibiotics. And sure enough, I got a result, which was enough for her to prescribe. And personally, um, most of the time, the chronic Lyme tests, I have practically zero belief that they're actually accurate because they will almost always return a positive if if Epstein-Barr virus is active. And usually what happens with chronic fatigue syndrome, if you ever had Epstein-Barr, your immune system will generally allow it to come up to the point of uh, you producing more antibodies for it. So the result is you get a chronic Lyme diagnosis, which if you like me at that point in time, I want my antibiotics. Please, ma'am, give me my antibiotics. If you want to believe it's Lyme, are no doubts opposing it. So I went on that. Um, Actually, went only on a short, short dose. I think it was just two rounds of antibiotic. I have, we happen to have in the household, um, Mutaflor. And unlike all the prior incidents, this time around, I had GI issues, which caused me to reread the literature all the way back, all the way back to the beginning. And with the GI reading, I discovered the 1998 Australian report finding that there was a microbiome shift, very distinctive one, in a group of CFS patients against control. One, one of the 
bacteria which they were low in was E. coli. And most E. coli is actually beneficial to you. It's only the, um, the nasty ones, the, the mafia dons who um, get all the bad press. So we happen to have in a house on mutual floor, which is um, E. coli Nisley 1917. I took that and that made a real major improvement very fast. So antibiotics followed by that. It was interesting because it gave me probably the worst herbs I ever had in my life. I worse hurts than high doses antibiotics. It was just okay. Um, this is not your run of the mill uh, probiotics. It did the job, gave me some nasty headaches, but I am familiar with herxing, and if I can recognize it as a herx, I just put up with it. Don't be around it because I'll be cranky like mad, but. Do it. So that did it. At that time, it took me about six months from onset until it was ready to go back to work. So that's pretty cool. You you went from you know basically having CFS and, and taking a long time to figure it out and get through it to you know you kind of have it triggered and you're you're done in six months. Yep. So you you obviously this each episode was probably triggered from stress or from illness. What were your kind of symptoms with CFS? I mean, you mentioned the cough, but what else were you going through? Cough, um, slowness of thinking speed, cognitive issue, quick onset of physical fatigue, aching muscles all over the place, sore throat, intestinal upset, just sort of feeling off, change of stools, um, or stool frequency as it's suddenly going from perhaps two, one or two a day to ten a day, um, there's such a long list of symptoms for CFS, and between all of the times, I've had pretty much all of them. Um, for me, being in the information technology one, the one that is absolutely devastating is loss of cognitive thinking speed and loss of memory. Wow. So let's, uh, let's change gears a little bit. Let's kind of get into your site, uh, one of which is, that you mentioned before, is really complex, um, but people can use it to analyze uh, the exact bacteria that they do a stool sample, and they can analyze those bacteria, and then they can see changes that they can make with their diets and supplementations to kind of move their microbiome in a healthy direction. And I I think this is really amazing, especially because, you know, it's basically free to use. So I'm guessing a site like this is probably thousands of hours and resources to put together. Um, so how did you start the project and kind of what motivated you? I started that process because for my CFS remission side, um, I had, I think going back eight years or 10 years, mentioned that the model which I preferred is that of a stable dysfunctional microbiome shift. In other words, so the microbiome shift it is no longer producing the chemicals which the body usually needs, and everything in the whole body, my head to foot, gets jacked, to put it mildly. So I was going down that premise, basically based on the 1998 Australian work, and saying, okay, let's try doing it, um, which means looking at the literature and seeing, do the can study results be explained with this microbiome shift model better than can with anything else and can it explain more of the study results than anything else and the answer basically came down yes and the degree of confidence kept going up every year and then i suddenly realized wait a minute i'm i'm not doing what i'm trained to do which is develop systems because 
I can keep doing these detailed polls and the research, and I realized that there was going to be a problem with that information effectively being correct, but really not usable by somebody suffering from brain fog, which was my target audience, chronic fatigue patient, where brain fog is rampant. I decided, okay, let's go and try automating the process because I could go and take all those posts and translate them into rows of data and thereby apply logic to those rows of data and come up with with the same thing which I did manually, except I'm be able to do it better because I can have more data there and less likely to forget something or miss something because it will be a complete analysis rather than what happens to be fresh in my mind at that point of time. So that kicked off the site. I intentionally made it free because in order to do good stuff with it, I needed to get lots of uploads. and. Without the uploads, then it's just reciting facts. The moment we go and get uploads, I can put on my ever hat, which is the hat of a statistician, look at the data, do statistical magic to it, and get, a, get useful information out, which may not necessarily be in published studies. The accuracy of the prediction seems to be pretty high, which actually ends up coming around circle, which means that the symptoms is caused by the microbiome, which means if you correct the microbiome, in theory, you get rid of the symptoms. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if people really understand how revolutionary that is, because you're basically saying you can do these stool tests, you can put in your bacteria from your gut microbiome, and it's going to predict, even down to your age, what your symptoms are. And I mean, I think that's that's wild because people just, I mean, I love how specific it is because people usually with issues, you know, they run around in circles, you know, trying this, trying that. Um, but what you're saying and what this side is saying is that basically, if you can manipulate your microbiome, you can get results on all of these symptoms. One of the interesting aspects or the problem where, where I perhaps did a bit of lateral thinking, most of the studies are being done on people who has a disease classification. If you take a look at chronic fatigue syndrome, it, you basically end up having to have something like four out of 11 or four out of 21 symptoms to get the diagnosis. That means you're going to have a horrible hodgepodge of people which you're trying to determine patterns from. If on the other side, you're just looking at the symptoms, regardless of what the medical diagnosis is, you are suddenly looking at the whole challenge in a very different way because what you're doing is you're saying the symptoms are being driven by the microbiome and the medical conditions you have been basketed into or binned into is actually maybe counterproductive because these are big holding buckets for people with tremendous amount of variety, which means, of course, trying to figure out what to do becomes far more difficult. So what do, what do people have to do to kind of get a stool sample, sample and use your site? Um, Thrive Alive, or Thrive Inside, sorry, is what most people are using now. You can go to American Gut. You, there's one company in Europe with just beautiful results, but they are expensive, which is called Xenogene, and they are in um, Spain. Um, Red Labs is also doing it, and you can 
get stuff from Red Lab, which is um, in the never in the Netherlands. It's what um, Dr. Kenny Demeyer is using for his lab studies. And you want to before you order, make sure of two things. One is that they have a downloadable format. Some companies will not give you the, your data in any form. They, they will only give you a few pretty charts and that's it. And ideally, they'll also be able to provide you with what's called a FASTQ file. A FASTQ file is like uh, similar to, if you go to 23andMe, you have the option of downloading your DNA sequence. So you can take it to a different site and upload it and do whatever you want. For DNA, it's a sort of accepted that if you're in a business, you make the raw DNA results available to users because that is the norm. Unfortunately for the microbiome, a lot of people are still wanting to do proprietary. Some of the reasons could simply be because of their business model. Um, many of the firms are also trying to upsell probiotics. If you have the raw data available, you can go to alternative sites like my site and upload your data and see whether or not the probiotics they suggest are good choices or not. I think they prefer not to have that type of um, challenging of what of them telling you what you should be doing for probiotics. So it's a little bit of business practice. But Owala is a new one which we actually will do free samples uh, if you go and sign up for a research program through one of the Boston universities. Um, but during the cost for a sample is running about 100 bucks. Okay, so you, you take your sample from one of these companies and then you put it in your site. So you put in the sample, you just upload it. Um, I have actually a bunch of videos showing the step-by-step up on YouTube. Um and you upload it, and now once it's in the system, you have a ton of choices you can make for what you want to do with it. For the brain fog, I have a quick suggestions, which comes from a um, naturopath who has been working heavily with the microbiome, who's based in Tasmania. He has granted me permission to use his guidance, so I have automated his guidance into my system. So you upload the microbiome, it compares to what his recommended ranges are, and then from that, it goes and attempts to identify what foods or herbs or whatever else you should be doing to optimize. So that's a quick suggestion. Okay, so... You, you take your info, um, you put it into your site, and I'll, I'll have these companies, um, you know, these testing companies in the show notes. So can you give us maybe any specific stories about, you know, people who have who've done this and, and maybe what the process looked like for them and kind of the results they got? Okay. Um, yes. Um, okay. You upload the results. You have about, I think, 18 major choices right off the top for things you can do with it. One of which is the um, probable symptoms, which looks at it and says, okay, this is what it looks like your issues may be based on the microbiome. If you happen to be a good match for that, it's good. The second thing which you have available is you can go and take a look at your microbiome's data. Occasionally, you, you will get some shocking things. There's one there's a small number of people, about 4%, who have really, really bizarre levels of bifidobacteria. 
usually bifidobacteria is what everybody wants to have more of or feels they don't have enough of, even though the normal range is somewhere between 1% and 4%. So it's not a big player. It's a small group of people who are sitting up to 85% bifidobacteria in their gut. In other words, that's about the only thing they have. It's just one type of bacteria, which dumbfounds me because I have no idea what it means. Um, it just, you don't have the usual bacteria. You have something totally bizarre and uh, abnormal. Um, in a, one case, I know from talking to the person, it was a combination of all three things seems to have just caused the bifidobacteria to absolutely explode. One was sticking hollygos, which is a sugar which is found in mother's breast milk. Also taking, I think, a vitamin B6, which encourages it, and not doing a bunch of things that discourages it. And the bifidobacteria just kept trotting off time and time and time again after every measurement. So it just ended up going up to about 85%, which means that almost all my tools are useless because they are off in such a unusual world, there's no data on them. Two particular examples, which I got emails from recently. Uh, one was somebody in Europe who started taking Mutaflor, um, the E. coli probiotic, which is available over there. And like me, they reacted strongly. Uh, and they suddenly went from not getting any sleep to being able to get eight hours of sleep, feeling normal, just just about almost all of the symptoms disappeared in less than one week from the Mutaflor. Okay, now, that is not what everybody is. It's just that their particular set of bacteria, the mutifor, just came in at a sweet spot. Another person, a mother whose daughter suffered from chronic fatigue syndrome, went and started using NIM. The daughter was largely bedridden. Two weeks later, she was out walking about, even pulling up their family boat out of the water on the river they were living on. So she had a dramatic change, not totally recovered, still other symptoms, but she had a dramatic change. What the site tries doing is not saying this is what you need to get cured. What it tries to do very hard is give these are the most probable things that will help you. We don't know which one will be the best. We, we have no way of saying which one is better than the other. But according to the medical literature, these are things that will correct your microbiome shift to a greater or lesser extent. And based on that assumption, your symptoms should improve, whether it's slow or dramatic, we don't know. What we're trying to do is discourage people from randomly trying to do things based on somebody's comment on a news or support group. Gotcha. And so it's, it's basically, it's probability increase the odds of symptoms improving. Often it can be dramatic improvements very quickly. Um, and for myself, I ended up inadvertently having to use it for my fourth round and it did the job. Um, it allowed me to recover quickly without any antibiotics. And with that case, I was doing microbiome every four weeks. And I could see that it was actually shifting my microbiome by following a suggestion, which meant, okay, it works. The catch is that it's not a straight line. You can't just do one test. Ah, oh, this is what you need to take. Because the moment you shift 
the microbiome, there is a renormalization happening. And that renormalization may not be back to the healthy gut you originally want. It may be to a different state. So you end up having to sort of nudge it, nudge it, nudge it, nudge it, and hopefully eventually cascade back into a healthy state. That's awesome. So can someone who's just maybe looking for better health use it, or is it is it mostly for people who have some kind of condition? Generally, it, okay, somebody who, who wants general health can do it, but most of the time they're looking for something like they want a microbiome to be close to that of a sports athlete. Mm. I don't have that data. I, I have lots of data about people who either have declared themselves to be healthy or who have conditions or have irritating symptoms. You may have, have something just like sinus headache or constipation, something minor. It will give you some suggestions of what could be done to adjust it. And most people probably have one or two gripes about their health, uh, be it from diabetes to being fearful of something like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, both of which are now recognized as having a significant, significant microbiome aspect to their onset. So it, if you have concerns in those areas, doing a microbiome analysis may reduce your odds of getting or slow down your um, development of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or other related conditions. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So if, if somebody starts implementing these strategies to kind of move their microbiome in a certain direction, does it take a long time? I mean, you said four weeks for you. I mean, is it is it rapid? It's very unpredictable, unfortunately. My usual impression is actually jump back to the people who were doing antibiotics with chronic fatigue syndrome. And they gave the statistics for rate of recovery. Best case was about two to, two to three months. Average time was nine months. And some cases was up to three years of antibiotic treatment. And that was doing heavy weights trying to alter the microbiome. With this type of approach, I would say about the same type of thing. You probably get some people with significant changes within two to three months. Probably about nine months is more likely. And some people, it will just take a much longer time, which comes back to the age-old problem, especially with chronic fatigue syndrome, where you have memory problems, is that you are doing something, but you stop doing it because you're not seeing it's making you better now. You forgot how bad you were, which is a chronic problem with chronic fatigue syndrome, with people stopping doing things that help them because they forget how bad they were before. Uh, it means that you really want to have ways of tracking things as to what's happening. Um, even now, I have a watch which I use. It takes my blood pressure. It tracks my heart rate, monitors my saturated O2 levels every hour on hour throughout the day. So it means I now have on my phone day by day, week by week, tracking of those characteristics. So I can see if there are improvements or deteriorations happening with them. The purpose of the site is in some ways to, basically the purpose of the site is to help, but people are helping themselves by uploading the microbiome and then entering their symptoms because that now becomes data to discover patterns about what bacteria are altering, what bacteria or bacteria groups are causing symptoms. 
That's I mean that's great. That's a great uh, that's a great summary. Right. The, the there've been so, several recent additions which have been interesting. One is people have often been nagging me. Okay, which probiotic should I take? Well, we now have it so that we had information about which specific um, probiotic species you should be taking. But the problem is everybody sells different combinations, which combination is the one you should have. So we have added in the, the recommendation of specific probiotics. Anybody can enter their favorite ones in there, say what bacteria is in that probiotic, and then it will go and evaluate every single probiotic mixture, finding out which one is the best one for you to take and which ones you should avoid and which ones have mixed results. So they can just go there, look up that information and say, wait a minute, I don't want to take this probiotic because I have histamine issues. Or if you have chronic fatigue syndrome, you probably have a lactic acid issue, or most of the people do who have chronic fatigue syndrome. So I don't want to take a probiotic that produces lactic acid. It's just a small addition. I've also recently added in the flavonoids. Um, one of the sticky points or technical points which I did was when I came across a study, it would make mention that some flavonoids was used and had a positive or negative results. So that favonoid is the magic word which was put into the database because I don't want to do interpretations. I want to keep things as close to the study as possible. But one problem people have is, okay, you have named me a favonoid. I have no idea where or what food that favonoid is in. So I have incorporated information. So you just click on a favonoid. It will take you over to the U.S. agriculture database extract, which I've incorporated, and will tell you what food is high in this particular favonoid and what food is low in it. So it, again, helps you to build up a more reasoned diet plan with a lot less effort. So you mentioned probiotics. Um, let's talk a little bit about those because you've also mentioned Mutaflor a couple times, and I, I don't think a lot of people who live in the U.S. know about Mutaflor. But you know what probiotics out there do you like? Okay. Ah, yes. Um, probiotics I like, which I almost could refer to as my axis of, of power, not axis of evil, <laughs> all come from um, Japan. Or Germany, the former Axis power from World War II, which is sort of ironic. Um, from Germany, we have Mutaflor, which is the E. coli Nisli 1917. We have Symbafor 2, which is a different E. coli probiotic, which is actually, for most people in the world, a better one to get hold of for a simple reason. The E. coli, the um, Mutaflor is very heat sensitive. So you have to make sure it's completely refrigerated from factory to your fridge, which can be a real problem with getting it. The Symbafor 2 is in a suspension and doesn't require refrigeration. So it makes it real easy and real nice. You can ship it anywhere in the world with no particular problem. The next one from Germany is um, Symbafor 1, which is an unusual probiotic. Again, it's in liquid, but it's intended to be goggled with. It's been found effective for respiratory infections and for general mouth health. And since the mouth 
tends to restock the gut bacteria, it becomes an ideal one to try to um, alter your mouth, your mouth and your sinus bacteria. Some people have reported that using it, sinus problems they've had for years just cured up. Antibiotics didn't do it, but some before one did do it in less than two weeks. The flip side are over to Japan is um, something called Mirror Recent, which which is a um, well study, particularly effective for stress. The other one I refer to as S, which is the same species as being used by um, Symbafor One, but it's in a, in a tab. Both of these are hard pressed tablets, not in capsules. I find that both of those are often I will use as a lozenges in my mouth so that basically I am using probiotic treatment for my mouth, one of which should improve um, gum disease and gingivitis because it produces butyrate and that triggers out um, IL-37, which is a um, natural antibiotic that the body produces which is effective against gingivitis. So pop two of those into my mouth every day to improve my gum health and um, also repopulate my um, gut bacteria. So you mentioned Mutiflor. What uh, what have you seen from people who take Mutiflor? You know, what kind of results do they get? Usually it goes into two schools, no results or dramatic results. For myself, it was a massive headache. It, it would cause a massive hurt to just kicked ass at that time. Taking it since, and uh, no kick. The reason it, it was so powerful then was it was it is a very persistent probiotic that takes up residency and is very hostile to a whole bunch of other type of bacteria. So what it happened with it, it went in there and it did a good job of cleaning house with a whole bunch of bad bacteria. It's human source particularly good for infections dealing with diarrhea, um, which is where it has been used traditionally in Europe for. So let's, uh, you talked a little bit about antibiotics um, that can really, you know, improve people's health, uh, which is kind of, you know, uh, interesting because I know in the health world, uh, a lot of times antibiotics are kind of taboo. Um, Which antibiotics are you kind of finding effective for people and which ones should you avoid? Okay, generally... The first choice is minocycline, which is one of the tetracyclines, and for two reasons. One is it has a massive history of being used long-term for things like acne. Second thing is it will protect against um, neuroinflammation. In other words, it will cross into the brain and actually reduce inflammation, which means it will improve cognitive functions. Um, there's a certain atomic size which seems to be a threshold. If the antibiotic is smaller than this size, it will cross the um, body-brain barrier. If it's bigger than that size, it will just gets filtered out right there. So minocycline makes it through just barely, but it does. Number one is doxycycline, which again, it's the same family. Then generally the macrolides and then the fluoroquinings. Fluoroquinings I almost always put as a last choice. I rather cycle back through. And the main reason is that they are known to cause side effects in terms of tendon damage, etc. There's a risk with those, so I usually 
discourage people from doing that unless nothing else seems to work. Those three are used generally by Jardine and Bartello in their protocols. The first two, doxycycline and minocycline, are used by um, Garth Nicholson in his protocol. So there's a fair amount of usage there. And I believe, but I need to check up, Kenny DeMeyer, who is... Um, well-known in Europe and also with the um, main U.S. research institute, is also using the um, minocycling, I believe, with his patients and getting positive results. Are there any antibiotics that you think people should just avoid? Oh, yes. Actually, I have actually created a web page um, for people to use their microbiome to see whether or not a particular antibiotic is good or bad and why it's bad. Generally, the penicillins tends to have poor results. Uh, I did a blog post on that a while back, and I can ship you over the link to it, but it went through, and what I did was I walked through the antibiotics main groups against the 1998 study from Australia and worked out which of the antibiotics would help with correct the shift and which one would actually make it worse. So I can ship that over to you and you could include that in the program notes. Sure, will do. So I don't, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. We've, we've been going for quite a while now. Um, so just the last few, last few questions here. What do you think uh, is some of the worst general kind of advice that you hear about the microbiome? Oh, usually it's a simple one. All, all you need is a good quality probiotic. No. Good quality probiotic could actually make things a lot worse if the person suffers from two common conditions with chronic fatigue syndrome, either a histamine issue or suffer from lactic acidosis, which are both common in the CFS world. Many probiotics, including very high quality ones, will actually make the symptoms a lot worse. And what I'm trying to advocate is let's try working from a actual lab tests and not just um, internet medical wisdom. The other thing is that the probiotics will take up residency, that, oh, you just take them and they will take up residency. In general, 95% of probiotics, especially those sold over-the-counter health food stores in the U.S., they will not be detectable 12 hours later. They are in and out. doesn't matter if they are alive or not. It probably would be just as effective as if they were microwaved first. (laughs) I'm serious. There is some very effective supplements from Europe, which comes from dead E. coli bacteria. Basically, it's just the chemicals that they produce is the important thing, and keeping them alive isn't. The flip side is that there are a few which will persist and take up residency, and occasionally, there have been problems. About three people I have had contact with did one of these probiotics to take up residency. First two days was wonderful. Day three and day four, things went the wrong way. And I actually had to tell them how to kill the probiotic they took because it was overwhelming their systems. But that only happens for ones that take up residency. So it's sort of interesting. I did a post warning about it when it first occurred. When you take an antibiotic, when you take a supplement, they come in, 
they go through with antibiotics. Half of it is gone in four hours. When you take a probiotic that takes up residency, it takes up residency. It doesn't disappear. So if you get a strong Herx reaction, unless you take knowledgeable action to inhibit that particular probiotic, it just keeps growing. And that Herx reaction gets bigger and bigger and more severe, and you are in a miserable state of life. Well, is there any uh, is there any good general advice that you, you think is, is not bad? Okay, my general advice is find out what is exactly in your gut bacteria so you know what you're trying to fix. And once you have that, my site is there. It's free. I keep adding features as when people make requests. Somebody made a request yesterday. I went and added to the site. And if, if you need information, email me and contact me. I'll add it in because the site there is intended to be absolutely free for any person to use. I do have a, believe it or not, I do have a business plan to make money from it eventually, God willing. Um, but um, I, but that's only if somebody wants to make a use of it for commercial purposes. So um, it's not HIPAA compliant, although a few doctors are using it, I know, in Canada and in Australia. I know no doctor in the U.S. using it. And probably because it declares not HIPAA compliant, I'm not surprised that nobody will use it because they don't have an option. Okay. Almost every fact on the site, you can click on and follow through to the original PubMed studies where the information came from. In other words, it's, it's open research. It's full disclosure. So what's next on your plate? Are you working on anything at the moment? Yes, I'm looking at trying to improve the algorithms to be better. Um, the last algorithm I improved was the um, symptom prediction. And the symptom prediction, uh, I had tuned it down so it would be only report on the most extreme associations. And I went in and readjusted the algorithm, and the result was it is getting to be good for predicting more symptoms with a high degree of accuracy for prediction. So I'm happy with that. And there's a couple of other things where I can see, okay, I think I can improve my algorithms on how to use the data better. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ken, for for giving uh, me and my listeners your time today. I, I really appreciate all you've done with this awesome site. The fact that you're giving it out there for free, I think it's such a resource for people uh, who are trying to deal with you know any kind of chronic illness. So, uh, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. And there, asked, have you had your microbiome done? I have not. No, I have not done it yet. Well, something to put on your whiskers for. 2020. Yep, definitely, definitely. I'll uh, I'll have all the links in the show notes for the stuff that uh, the probiotics he mentioned, and uh, you know all of the different uh, sites that you can get your microbiome tested at. So, thanks again. Okay, you're welcome. Bye bye. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, I apologize for the sound quality. I hope it was good enough to understand Ken's general points. At the end there, Ken challenged me to get a microbiome test. So I have indeed ordered one from the company Thrive Inside. Uh, the normal price of the test, I think, is around 150 bucks. but there is a Facebook group called the Gut Club Stool Testing Discussion Group, which has a 20% off coupon. So I was able to get it for around 120 bucks, which is pretty reasonable. Uh, I'll put the links for those in the show notes along with the other microbiome testing companies. I'll also put links in the show notes for the probiotics that Ken mentioned in the episode along with his 
his website and articles and all that good stuff. So if you liked this interview, we here at Quacks, we release weekly episodes on a variety of health topics with you know interesting guests. Please subscribe using your favorite podcast player, whether that's Apple, Android, you know, Pocket Cast or whatnot. You can also go to quackspodcast.com. That's Quacks with an X and find all of our episodes. Or if you want daily updates, you can follow me at QuacksPod on Twitter. Uh, Thank you, Ken, for this amazing site that you've made. And thank you for your time. And thank you for listening. Be well.